All right. Welcome, everybody, to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate all the fans for tuning in and um, keeping themselves updated with MX Vice. Any feedback, um, we're, we're certainly welcome to hear it. So before we get cracking on this episode, we'd like to thank the sponsors in Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, Even Strokes for all their incredible supporters. Without them, none of this would be possible. All right, we'd like to welcome um, David Hogan of Always Moto. He's uh, trying to come from a unique perspective. It's something a little bit different for us to to cover injuries like this and knowing that they're one of the most you know popular things the fans read. It's about injuries. So to have David on, who's a fully qualified physiotherapist, he's definitely a welcome addition to our podcast today and the Moto Media landscape in general, mate. So welcome and thanks for joining us. You know, thanks for the intro, Ed. It's uh, nice to be here. And yeah, it's a very different field and lots of people want to know what's happening in it, but they kind of don't want to know at the same time because it's it's painful. Yeah, it certainly is, mate. And you um, coming from, you know, being a fully qualified physio, you have a sort of this considerable knowledge base um, and this pretty different approach to, to the details because a lot of it is speculation and sort of you probably feel like it gets overlooked in a way and just sort of, you know, covered pretty quickly, but it's... um cool that you do it in a coherent sort of intelligent way and um it's pretty cool that you're another aussie mate making strides in the moto industry so just tell us a bit about yourself and your background and um what you've done to to get you where to where you are today yeah no look it's um it's nice being the aussies and talking about international events it's it's pretty cool so it's uh it's it's great to see you doing it too like and, and for an international media sort of brand it's 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 awesome but um yeah look my background obviously like you said i'm a qualified physio but uh i sort of go back further i always did sports as a kid got injured so i always ended up you know in the in the physio clinic myself um had plenty of things go wrong along the way mostly moto related um <laughs> And and that's sort of obviously why I'm here doing this now because I, I love the field. I raced a lot as a kid, did all right. But then obviously at the schooling points, ended up, you know, parents go, you got to finish the high, HSC, or, which is our high school equivalence yep. for international viewers. And um, no racing this year, right? So then obviously I went into the physio, into the, into the study path and I actually did exercise and sports science first. So I've got that fitness background as well. Yep. And then did the physio on top of that. So ended up, I did way too much study, but um got the degrees and and you know here we are it worked out in the end so but um yeah look i, I still ride now I, I do lots of um you know little product inspections i actually got the chance last year to go over to to barcelona and do that stark varg intro which yep. was super cool to do um that thing's going to change the world when it gets gets going but um yeah look the injury side of things you spend enough time in the clinic and talk to all these people about the injuries that they've got going on and how they're recovering from it and it sort of just becomes second nature. Like I can watch somebody crash and almost tell you exactly there and then what that injury was, but just from understanding what, how it all works. Um, and my, my wife gets sick of me, you know, yelling at the screen going, it's this. And and they're saying it's that. And it's, uh, it's just one of those things. I just know what's going on. So I just try to use my knowledge to update everybody else. Cause lots of the writers and you, you know, this yourself, they tend to hide these things that I want everybody to know what's happening. And, and I kind of already do before just watching the screen. I don't need them to tell me lots of the time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a unique lens you have, mate. Uh, it's it's really cool. And obviously, with the, the way the sport covers injuries, it's obviously like a massive part of um, what, what basically all websites hit. Hits a lot of it comes from injuries, let's, uh, let's face it. So what are, you, what are your sort of take on how injuries are covered um, 
in the sport and there's the good parts and maybe the the areas for improvement, which I'm sure there are quite a few from your end. Yeah, look, uh, it's kind of hard, right? Because obviously with the medical information, there's there's some sort of privacy to it, right? You don't want everybody knowing every single little detail of what went wrong and how, but generally speaking, our coverage in our sport is is bad, right? Like it's a generic press release that says, and look, take today's example from Jason Anderson, race Kawasaki put out a thing and it says, he hurt his neck at Nashville. He will be out for two weeks. Okay, great. What does that mean? What part of his neck did he injure? You know, was there, is there more to this? Was it just a little scratch? Was there a broken bone? Which if you then dig a bit deeper and look at Jason's page, he's done an update and it says, you know, yeah. C5, C6 fracture, but you read the Cowie one and it's like <laughs> neck injury. Well, that's really simple, isn't it? Like, why can't he yeah. ride? So yeah, it's it's badly done. Um, but there is that that element of the medical side of things that maybe that's the reason for it. Maybe it's just the guy that's doing the press release doesn't understand anything medical. I don't know, but yeah. that's why I try to fill that gap and 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 you know give that little bit of insight into what it means, how long it's going to be, how serious it is, all those sorts of things. And you'd obviously get a lot of positive feedback from probably other media outlets and uh, other writers and and fans as well about how you go about it because um you can tell you're passionate about it and you love it and hence why you've set up the always moto. Um, I guess you could say network. So almost you cover a lot of things on a lot, a lot, a lot of different platforms, mate. So yeah, I just cool. want to um, be able to do my own, not my own thing, but like it just provide a space for people to come to and see that information easily. Like everyone covers it a little bit here and there, but even some of the other media spots, you'll put out the press release, but you won't, they won't go looking for the other guys that got injured. That might not be that, you know, that top 10 mm. sort of, um, so yeah, I just try to, link them all together and I, I keep stats as well so that's one of the big things i've been doing i've been since i started this doing like 2019 i've been keeping as many injury stats from all of the classes across you know for the for the ama side of things and the list is quite long it's it's yeah. kind of scary <laughs> have you got some insights from that list um obviously how many riders sort of weeks missed um what are your sort of the key takeaways from it yeah, look, um, I haven't got the weeks missed for this season because obviously we're still going and I'm counting yeah. how many people are still missing that. But at the <laughs> moment, for just this Supercross season, which I go from when they start doing that October 1st changeover point when you know they start that preseason, there's already been 100, uh, 119 injuries in the wow. season across the two classes. Um, there was something like, what have I got here? I've got uh, 70 from the 250 class and 49 from the 450 class. It's pretty nuts. Well, yeah, that sort of sums up uh, pretty aptly how dangerous motocross and especially supercross is because that probably uh, comes with certain set of pitfalls that you don't get outdoors. And how how much uh, dangerous do you feel um, motocross, I mean, supercross is in motocross? Look, it's it's a, it's a dangerous sport, right? Yeah. Like we take out, they, they don't say that it, you know, motorcycling is dangerous for, isn't for, it's not for no reason, right? Like you yeah. can't have an accident that's pretty bad and we have seen those ones over the years where you know paralysis or not necessarily in the pro racing but there has been you know deaths and stuff mm. well it's it's a dangerous sport but obviously we all love it we still want to do it but we we understand that and we put it in the back of the mind and we just we just go along and do it yeah it's pretty crazy mate so just getting back to that jason anderson uh, the latest one to go down in the long list especially this week um what are you sort of thinking the recovery time will be for him as you know the latest heavy hitter to bow out do you think he'll be back for promo to cross how how serious is that is it something you can manage 
Well, I put I put out a thing um, earlier in the week, like for um, uh, Benny Bloss, and saying like he's broken his collarbone. Right now, most fractures are a four to six week window. The bigger the bone, the longer that window goes. So, and we're less than four weeks to the start of promotion. Mm. So it's not looking fantastic. If he's broken two vertebrae, it's probably six weeks only because you can't splint your neck, right? Like you yeah. can't just put it in a cast and leave it there to heal perfectly. You're going to move it and bump it. Um, so it's the six week window. So he's probably going to miss the first two rounds at a minimum. Okay. That's pretty interesting to hear, mate. Cause obviously we see um, Renault had had some fractures like that and he, he ended up, I think, only missing one round last year just because the way the schedule fell, but he was able to come back relatively quickly. But, yeah, whenever you, you hear neck, you just instantly think bad news, don't you? Well, he's also – yeah, you do, but you, he's also got a little different scenario at the moment with that newborn baby. He's probably not in that same sort of drive position for results. Like, he's got a lot of other factors going into this, and so the recovery – he's probably just going to use that time to make sure he's fit and healthy too, because it would be yeah. sort of up in the head that I just had a newborn. I almost, I broke my neck. I didn't break it in the sense yeah. of use anything, but it, it would still be up in the head there. And he'd probably just want to make sure he's right before he comes back. Yeah. Give him a little chance to recalibrate his focus after what's been a pretty sort of by his standards an underwhelming year. That's for sure. But um, yeah. yeah. And then we obviously had moving to Cooper Webb, um, a concussion. He's going to miss the rest of the season too. Horrible accident. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of a lot more focus on things like concussion in um in a lot of sports all over the world. You know, in recent times, with the with the with the research and the the findings that have come from how damaging head injuries are. So, yeah, firstly, your talk on your take on Cooper Webb, and then the thoughts on the concussion protocol. Is it adequate? Does it serve its purpose? And it's it's well done. Yeah, look, Cooper, obviously terrible situation, right? Like he he was trying to do everything he could for the championship getting that, you know, he was aggressive with the moves, no fault of his own. He went down, right? Like it was just, it it was a racing incident. He went down, but obviously at the start of a race, you've got 20 odd guys behind you when you're at the front of the pack, one of them's likely to clip you. And it just unfortunately got hit in the head. Right. Uh, But the, the team did well, right. They took him off. They've done their assessment and they've realized that, you know, he can't, he can't, can't return for that night. He also then has to go on that protocol. um, And, there's different steps to this protocol and it's, it's okay. There's a protocol in place, right. For the AMA. I'm not sure of the exact details. I can't remember the FIM ones. I have checked them out. They are similar, but the AMA one, there's a little bit that I don't like at the beginning of it because it says that you have to get your physician to confirm that you can start the protocol and you've got to be symptom clear for at least 24 hours before you can start this five day return to ride program. Or sorry, I should say five stage return to ride program. It takes usually five days because each stage is a minimum of 24 hours but that first little window there is where this sort of hiccup can be because you can either see your your specialist that knows you really well and knows that you need to get back and race and maybe you're you're clear already or you know it could go the other way so but in cooper's case i think they've done a nice job right they've recognized that there was a decent impact you don't obviously know what grade um, concussion he had, how bad it was, how long he was out for, or, or how long the symptoms were being around for. But they've just used the chance for the end of the season. He's basically out of the points position that he was going to be. He's not going to drop that far down in, you know, lose from, you know, second to 20th or something. He's going to probably yep. be second, third, or at worst, maybe fourth. Yep. So that side of things, they've used this time well to, to let him recover, which is ideal i think that's a good move there should be a little bit longer in some of these protocols from my personal opinion to yeah. before we come back 
yeah, because you hear about you know, you know, there's a lot of lot of complications that can occur following and and races. They just want to get out there, you know. But it's you really want your faculties about you when you race and supercross, especially. So yeah, it's a good point. It's got to be you've got to be very accurate with what you do on a supercross track. And and if you're slightly slower up top because of that concussion, it's not going to go well for you. Yeah, and there's like it's split second decisions and the speed they're going in and. You hear people saying with AC about the crash, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. But literally, you can't really do much. Like that that corner, you watch the racing. A lot of guys' you know, front wheels slipped out of that rut, and that's kind of what, what happened with Cooper. A lot of them saved it, some didn't. And, you know, you can't really blame AC. It's not his fault at all. He should, you know, pull a break in or whatever. You just can't do it because that speed, there's like 20 guys all going around that corner. It's not happening, is it? If he breaks there, who's to say the three or four guys that are right behind him don't run into him <laughs> all four of them on top of Cooper and then there's a whole different scenario so no that's just that's just silly talk unfortunately he was in that corner he was committed nowhere to go yeah no it's just just another just a horrible accident mate and um obviously another heavy hitter that went down Barsha on the weekend so similar thing with him collarbone looking like he's touch and go for outdoors yeah look the collarbone's slightly different from just the general break right it it can be plated reasonably easily there are some risks with any surgery obviously um and they don't always go to plan but generally speaking the collarbone's okay um and somewhere around that four week mark is when they can usually ride just dependent on their pain tolerance there is talk that some people have tried to ride just in practice at two weeks um, because once you plate the bone it's stable the bone's still technically broken but it feels fine because it's held together artificially. So people could do it. So I wouldn't be surprised that Barsha makes it, but there is that little bit of doubt. Yeah. Especially he's on such a run. He's been just lights out since Daytona, like literally probably yeah, faster than Webb. That's for sure. And on a similar level to Tomac and, and Sexton's probably the fastest you'd have to say, but um, yeah, it's just managing the championship. But yeah, seeing him race, it's it's been excellent. And um, good to see him back out there, mate, because you probably think he's, got half a chance to really do some damage in outdoors, doesn't he? Yeah, he wouldn't want to leave that um, that form too long yeah. between rides because that's where you start to drop off and you can just sort of creep away from that top level that he's been at really easily lately. So, yeah, he would want to be getting back on that bike ASAP if yeah. he can. Yeah, and that um, Dragon's Back section caught a few people. It was pretty nasty, wasn't it? Do you like Dragon's Back? It's in the whoops. Great for fans, but they, it looks like a challenge for riders, doesn't it? It's great for my list of stats, right? Yeah. Like, it's just that those two sections of track tend to add up on the stats list. They're, they're probably the two worst, um, you know, parts for the track for crashing, particularly once the track breaks down in the main events. Yeah, yeah that's definitely, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And another piece of news that filtered through today was Pierce Brown, obviously with the broken hand and just another blow for the gas gas team and the series, obviously with Moserman. He had some nasty stuff that, it, that happened sort of before the season end the last season kind of thing that he obviously had major issues with and he's never been right this season um which he kept under wraps pretty well which is something that's all too common but um yeah, yeah pierce brown and moseman thoughts on their respective injuries well interesting you bring up mike moseman's pre like pre-season dramas because that was a neck injury and if yeah back to that jason anderson talk you know that's where that length of time he's probably going to miss those first few rounds maybe longer and even Look at Mosman's results. He hasn't been comfortable in himself since, whether that's bike, whether that's the physicality of it. You're not 100% sure because they don't give us that sort of info. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Jason could be different. But, yeah, unfortunately for Mosman, just that lingering sort of thing and then building the fitness back up and the confidence back up from that injury is the issue. Pierce, on the other hand, I kind of found it interesting. One, obviously had that injury 
to the hand that he's reporting has just happened recently. But the fact that he also had a meniscal tear that he's been have, carrying through the season mm-hmm. for a few weeks might explain why he's been a bit up and down in different aspects of his results too. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. And we're talking about knees. Um, Thrasher, obviously, he's gone out with a really nasty one, but he was riding with that ACL um, out of whack for all season. How challenging is that? And um, how, was he going, how much pain barrier? And it was just person to person they can manage it. Some can't, some can yeah, I hear that a lot on a lot of the media sources, right? Like everybody sort of talks about, oh, but he could do it, but they couldn't. Everyone's different. Yeah, every single one of those ACLs is different. It depends on which part of the ACL you tear. Um, yeah. Do you do any other damage with it as well? So like you get this bad triad that they talk about where you get the MCL, the ACL, and the medial meniscus get all done at once. And those are the guys that you you can't do nothing about like yeah. they pain. They got to go get it fixed. But if you get lucky, like that thrasher must have and tear it right in the middle and yeah. nothing else gets damaged, you can manage that swelling down really quickly. Uh, it can basically be a normal knee. If you learn to control the position of it all with your hamstrings under an eccentric control, which is when it's lengthening, um, you know, so that we don't have to sidestep like in, you know, sock off. Yeah. Foot. We don't have to do that. So literally we just put our feet on the pegs. And and if you had to watch Thrasher carefully in those races afterwards, his feet were on the pegs a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He was riding really well. He had super good speed and um, obviously it all fell apart a couple of weeks ago. Um, the other injury, I think was yeah, a host of things, but the main things are those dislocated hips we've been seeing um, him and Christian Craig will, how, how bad is a dislocated hip? Cause it sounds absolutely horrific. Uh, I, um, it's referred to as childbirth for, for men. Right? Like it's supposedly really painful. Um, I haven't had a dislocated hip. I've broken my hip recently, but uh, so I don't know personally how that one goes. Um, my brother-in-law actually has done it twice and he tells cool. me that it's not fun. So, um, but if you watch uh, Christian Craig's vlog from that round, when he's on the deck, you can hear him. Like there's a, there's a pain in the voice, like, and he's, he's visibly disturbed by what's going on. Um, it's not a fantastic scenario, but it's quite surprising that two of them happen one week after another. Mm. Like that's an odd thing. Dislocated hips take a lot of force for them to come yeah. out. It's not just like a you know trip over and it's going to happen. It's it's up there with the most force that your body can take. Yeah, it's sort of like it. It has to be violent, heavy, and pretty much something that Supercross brings, isn't it? So yeah, well, and like you, you got to fall into the face of something with your knee leading it. Because like most of the time, these things happen for general people that aren't crazy enough to hit a set of supercross wheels. <laughs> it's from a major car accident and the dashboard actually pushing you back and your knee going into the dashboard. Like that's yeah. how they normally uh, occur for the regular people in the lo- in world. But yeah, for us moto riders, we like to plow into the faces of yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, it's crazy, isn't it? What they put themselves through, and and obviously a, a key topic of uh, contention is the pro circuit team. They basically lost almost every single rider at some point this season, obviously getting a few back now, but um, you know, you hear people speculating on it's the bike, but it's just bad luck really surely, isn't it? Because that, that program's good. Um, Surely there's not too much in it from the bike side or what's your take? Well, look, I think McAdoo's one recently was a, was a, oh, bike. yeah, that was a bike. Yep. It has been the occasional one, but that's not the, that's not, that's bad luck, right? It's like, yeah. like the parts aren't made to last forever. And, they much as they set time limits on how long a certain thing can work for safely, 
one's going to be different to another. Just like we're saying about ACLs, everybody, AC, every ACL that gets injured is done slightly differently. So yeah, I wouldn't claim that on, on pro circuit. They're a high class team. Um, it's just a bit of bad luck. Maybe they're pushing for the fact that they're all trying to recover the pro circuit results mm. that have escaped them recently. Um, but yeah, like they lost pretty much everybody. I think, yes, Chris blows is in as a fill in and he's been okay. Yeah. So far, fingers crossed. He makes it to the end. Um, yeah. but even Mumford came in as a yeah. fill in, but injured as a fill in, you know? So it's just been a horrid run for them really. Like, yeah, you, you can just start putting crosses through the team each week, basically. Yeah, it's it's really it's oh yeah it's I know it's two fifty guys young guys wanting to prove themselves and just pin it and and it's it's a tough balance to find obviously there there's a lot of weight weight of expectation and pressure being in that team and it's it's a pretty cutthroat industry mate so they all work so hard to get those rides and then you got to yeah they really want to push those limits to make it happen and same with Star Yamaha obviously that program's brutal you know chewing people up and um you know bringing the next one in so it puts a lot of pressure on these guys to to be the alpha on the race day and in training. Cause you know, it's mentally, it's a, it's a lot to go through for those young kids and trying to say, Oh, I, I can just take it easy and be the slowest um, on that day. It's something that's really hard to manage. And only people like Cooper Webb who regularly aren't that fast on the, on the practice tracks, you know, you regularly hear Christian Craig and AP and all these guys way faster, but he's a Sunday man, as they say, and he gets it done on the race day and he can separate that um, maybe, you know, slightly less performance during the week for the, when it matters most. Yeah, but that that Cooper Webb scenario that comes with age, right? Like he wouldn't yes. have been like that when he was on the star team on his yeah. two fifty days. He would have been still going for it because at that point it's testosterone and psychology that <laughs> you to go as hard as you can every day. And that psychology thing that beats you down. Like that will not. You can't take those defeats as a young man. Yeah. Day after day, practice track or race track, it doesn't matter. It's still a loss in your mind at that point. You don't separate the two. So yeah, there's a, there's so much psychology that's going into a lot of these injuries because they're being pushed to another level every single yeah. day. Yeah, well said, mate. And we, we we had um Anthony Rodriguez on a pod who's well travelled, done MXGP Brazil, AMA, Supercross, Motocross, done pretty much everything. And he was saying even now at his age, when he's 27, he sort of struggles a little bit to come to terms with those days where you're not up to speed on the practice track as well. And it's a hard it's a hard line to balance for sure. And um, on on the topic of um, you know, moving over to the Husqvarna guys and yeah, just the KTM group in general has just been savaged. And um, yeah, thoughts on on Mookie and obviously we've touched on Christian Craig and you know you got Swole and, and Talon Hawkins is, is sort of steering the ship for them at the moment and, and Hampshire and he's had his own injuries <laughs> over the years too. So um, yeah, well, what's your take on them? Hampshire is lucky to get through this year. Like that crash <laughs> they had at uh, was it A two. Um, and if you look at him on his podium interviews and this and the um press conference uh, footage from the next round that he raced, he was visibly like white, and that was that whole internal spleen issue that he had going on there. Uh, so he wasn't right when he came back. And but RJ's got that tough history of mm. you know coming back from an ACL at 10 weeks when they're, they're six months jobs, and yeah. so he's obviously a tough nut, but he still didn't look right at that point. But that whole whole KTM group. Gas Gas is going to have no riders this week, right? Pierce Brown's gone. Mosman's gone. Barsh is gone. Uh, KDM is going to be lucky if AP can manage to get through the, the round this week because if he doesn't, they won't have any riders. Marvin's gone. Um, Cooper's out. AP's the only chance for them. They've got Max Voland on, on the 250, which is lucky. He's been having a good season, but the previous year he didn't. He had some yeah. issues. 
And Vial's uh, been pretty lucky to still be fit. He's had some big ones recently, hasn't he? <laughs> I've been saying on, on some of my stuff that I just want him to make it through Supercross. And every time he hits the deck, I'm like, oh, there it is. And and then he, he somehow he's got back up and kept going. But he's got to be a bit worse for wear at this point in the season. And I, I can't I bet he can't wait to stop riding a supercross track and just look at an outdoor yeah. track for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, he's almost done, isn't it? And uh, just Mookie, um, we're expecting uh, his, his was obviously quite bad and the knee wasn't it. So um yeah, it, time frames for him. Yeah, look, he's like the general ACL is a five to six month time frame in the moto world, right? In a in the footy world, soccer world, it's like nine to twelve months mm. to be able to cut directions, you know, sidestep. The thing with Mookie was that you you wonder how much that injury from the knee had last season, yeah. if it was just hanging in there, and then he got that final straw, um, or whether that then a lot of these injuries people won't realize, right? You have that injury six months ago your body has been compensating to get through these efforts because they never give themselves the accurate amount of time or adequate time. I should say not accurate, adequate time to build themselves back up and actually have the tissue regenerate, build the correct strength. And, the, and we call it proprioception. It's about where the limb is in space. They don't give them that time, right? So how was, was that, you know, build back up, just rush too much. And he's working on something that, you know, wasn't strong enough. And that's what's led to all this. You'll never know for sure, but I would think there's some of that factor at play for Mookie. But he he's going to be lucky if we see him at all this year. Um, yeah. It's not not looking likely from from his side of things. He's got a lot of rehab still to do in terms of re-strengthening that. Yeah, so a lot of lot of basically Supercross uh, next year will be the aim for him. You, you're suggesting? Yeah, expect that would be the first time we see him. We might see him back in those like trying to qualify into those Super Motocross rounds, depending on how yeah. that all works with the qualifications and stuff at that point. But I would suggest there's not a lot on the line for him at that point. So yeah, try yeah. most of the recovery time. Yeah, and um, obviously a couple of guys, Ferrandis and AC, have had their battles this year. Ferrandis is um, calling it calling it a day for his Supercross season this year. He just sort of, you know, he's got the speed. Um, just balancing that Supercross in in the 450 class. Obviously, he's a very accomplished racer, and everything 250 class immaculate in Supercross, really. And then 450, the transition to Supercross has been tougher. But outdoors is a weapon, absolute animal. Do you think he's right to? Um, Probably just focus on outdoors now after there's sort of not so much to ride for after that. That was a shocking crash, eh? And that, that one where he went over the top, wasn't it? Daytona one was horrible. Yeah. The way he sort of got glued into the bike and yeah. then went around with it, it was just like one of those moments in time where you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, but no, look, that's that for for Ferrandis, obviously that bigger concussion that he had a couple of weeks earlier, and then he comes back and has another big moment. One, your confidence is oh yeah. Right, like there's no chance that that's going to be good for him, but there's that whole secondary concussion syndrome issue where you can potentially make these symptoms double in duration. And he actually put up that he was going through a, a specific um, recovery pros program to address that for him. So I think that was just a smart move. Um, I, I sort of argued at the time when he came back for when he was coming back for Daytona that that was fine. He followed the protocol. He took three weeks, I think it was, between between those um that first one and being at daytona but obviously when the second one comes into play that changes everything so it, it was fine for him um so yeah it was a good move i think just to be sitting out and getting ready for outdoors yeah and ac's uh sort of constant knocks and, and battles it's sort of admirable that he keeps having a crack because you just hate to see him missing any more time don't we 
I said somewhere that I, I just feel like at times he's made of glass because you just look at him and he breaks. Like yeah. it's unfortunate, but it just, some people are just more fragile than others. And that's not an, a, a knock. That's just your physiology. It just doesn't come to that. Or you just end up in those random race situations all the time that you're the one that ends up on the deck. But look, the concussion the other week where, you know, with where he ran into Barsha, um, that was unlucky. That's not his fault. That was just unlucky, but he did the right thing. And I like the fact that AC actually came out and said that he was on protocol because that's a rarity for the riders too, to say that they're actually on protocol. But that was a nice thing that he did. But yeah, look, the wrist thing was funny at the beginning of the year because I noticed that he'd Mm. stopped wearing a wrist brace at that point at the beginning of the year. And then when he came back, it was back. And I haven't checked actually to see if it's gone away again, but it was just sort of lingering there and it's like he was trying to do something that he's quite and quite not quite ready for and but he again it comes back to that scenario that they just don't have the time to put into the recovery to do yeah. it properly so he's trying yeah, to- he's very transparent isn't he he doesn't sort of he's sort of he's pretty good at letting the people know what's going on with him and yeah, yeah. He's, and he must look at people like you say um you know ap's had some big ones and he's although he missed last weekend he's still not he's in a position to probably race this weekend and he's been able to keep going and you're like a Jeremy Sewer in MXGP done like 170 consecutive GPs and had some absolute monsters, you know, especially that one in Argentina this year. Some of those guys must just look at that and think, how the hell can that not be me? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and even Eli Tomac, did you see the stat from Eli that he's missed one race in five years from, from a, I think it was Supercross. I might've even been outdoors, but that's insane for someone like AC. He can't fathom even just putting one season together. Like it's, yeah. It's horrible, unfortunately, but just that's the that's the cards he's been dealt since he's been on on the pro tour. Yeah, yeah. You look at a guy like Hurlings, who's obviously one of the best ever, but yeah, he's just missed so much time that that five championships could be you know double that if he hadn't got all those injuries. And um, just wanted to we'll have a sort of touch on on Brandon Hartraft. Obviously, had that shocking injury, which is something that um, there's elements of that you can relate to because you're just in the sort of closing stages, I guess you could say, of recovering from an extremely nasty one yourself, aren't you? Yeah, it's sort of, I, I wasn't as bad as him, but it sort of gave me a little flashback when I saw some of the stuff that it, they were posting about him getting private airplanes and stuff between between treatment centers and whatnot. But yeah, I had a big one um, back in July at Hadar and I managed to break a hip, lost a spleen, broke a collarbone, broke a, a couple of ribs, a vertebrae. Um, ended up with pneumonia, just uh, a couple of weeks in hospital, had the private jet between one place and another and just, just a nightmare. And I've been going through removal surgeries for hardware and whatnot. And that's what Brandon's sort of going through that too, because he's, you've got so many injuries. He's had the shoulder, he's had the back. Um, he had, I think he had the hip as well. He just had so many things, right? The doctors can only focus on what's the main problem at that time, right? What's the biggest thing that's a problem. So we fix that. And you sort of go, yeah, that's sore, but we'll worry about that tomorrow. And that tomorrow ends up being like two weeks or three weeks down the track. And here we go, it still hurts. And then like you've seen, he's had to go in for a shoulder surgery to repair the shoulder, but that was had to wait, you know, a couple of months before the other stuff could be stable enough that he could then cope with having an arm that's not working. So it's a terrible time with those, that number of injuries. One of those alone is bad, but like five at once it's 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 a terrible thing man and yeah it's it's not fun at all i've been there <laughs> yeah and so it, obviously that's been pretty tough you know physically and mentally that the last period for you and um you could probably relate to the riders because you know 
you're a rider yourself that's what how it happened so um just just talk us through you know from a from your perspective how how these guys must be feeling because they you know they make a living off that it's it's what they love it's what they've put their whole life's work into so to to have that time off the bike and watching the others go and and some guys don't even watch it because they can't bear it you know but just mentally how challenging is that yeah, like the the mental side of the injury is is sometimes worse than the physical side because you, like we talked about with before with confidence, like your confidence goes through the floor, um, in just in every aspect of life because you you broke yourself and you're not sure what's the next thing that's going to break you again. And like even for for me with that that big injury, like it took me a month before I could even just start listening to and like the the podcast that i normally listen to from moto and even watch the races i couldn't do it and i'm not the one in those races i just i just didn't want to look at that sort of stuff yet because it was too familiar if i saw somebody coming off again it was sort of you know flashback Mm. point um it just sits in your mind and until you can actually get some progress and some normality back and even that normality can be just you know i went for a mountain bike ride that was the normal duration that I would normally or distance because usually the first few times you go and do it, you're way off your time, but just doing something like that can be enough to sort of make you step in the right direction. And that's when you start hearing the guys go, I've got the itch back to ride again, because it can take a long time before that happens because you don't feel ready. Um, And look, even me just getting back on the bike, I only just did it once the other day for the first time in 10 months. And it was sort of a, you know, a very nervous moment when you roll out and you think I've got all my gear on, but what's going to, what's going to protect me? Cause it didn't work last time. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And um, yeah, it must, it must just be, yeah, it must be so important to have a support network around you and these guys um to help you with these things too, because, uh, you know, it'd be so difficult to, uh, you know, someone like Colt Nichols broke both arms last year, you know, and that horror crash. So having support around you and people sort of, given that uplifting presence must be so beneficial to these guys and then the recoveries too. Yeah. Look it, that cult scenario, cause he broke both arms. I joke about it with people, but you know, you, when they break one arm, you say, Oh, which hand do you wipe your bum with? Yeah. But think about these things as the, as the physio party, you got to help them get past that for their we call yeah. them ADLs, your activities of daily living daily. You have to usually wipe your bum. It's, it's not yeah. fantastic, but that's what happens. So for someone like yeah. Colt, both hands in cast, Who's wiping your bum? You've got to have a very supporting, loving wife that's going to actually do that job for you for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Obviously, you just see the injury and then uh, you know you keep keep going on. But yeah, it, it, there's just so much that goes into it. A lot of suffering and yeah, considering all the sacrifices they've obviously made to get there, it must just be yeah, a massive kick. But um, yeah, we just have a little just two MXGP guys for you too, here, mate. Tim guys are in the the femur. Obviously, it was a horrible crash in the preseason race at trentino there and um the early estimations where he'd be uh half a chance to come back for trentino which is now a couple of weeks gone by and from what sort of we're hearing talking to some guys it's still a month away so is that was that the time frame you had in mind for that yeah when i when i saw that injury and heard that it was a femur i was like oh there goes five months right like that's usually the time frame and then i think it was only a week later that they were starting to put out that he was going to be back for that round that you mentioned and it was like, I think I counted it up. It was like two and a bit months. And I'm like, <laughs> there is no way that is happening. Like, unless it was like a, you know, this tiny little crack that didn't go all the way through. But if it's a normal mid shaft femur fracture where they're in two pieces, there is no way that's happening. Yeah. Uh, it's good to know, mate. You must have probably been laughing at uh, some of the coverage <laughs> surrounding that then. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things you look at and you think you don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably uh, they probably should uh, hit you up, mate, for a bit of uh, expertise. But um, and obviously a guy that uh, we love to see doing well, Aussie Mitch Evans. Um, obviously raced Argentina, sort of went there, really didn't race, but um, did the qualifying race, I think. But yeah, just the the, the broken thumb that he suffered in in preseason uh, was too much. But yeah, broken thumbs must be uh quite a troublesome thing to get through. And it was great seeing him return on the weekend, even though obviously you can't expect too much on the results, but we just want him healthy and, and getting the results because he's shown what he's capable of when he can, because he can match it. Yeah. He's got speed. That's not a question. It's just his consistency of being on track has been the issue in the, since he's been in the, the MXGP class. Um, but thumbs for motor riders are just a problem, right? Because that's the contact point with the bike. It takes so much load to, for the control and the feel. And there's plenty of injuries you can ride through because you can sort of manage, but the thumb is not one of them. Like lots of people ride through hand fractures, which is the, you know, the main part of your, your palm, but the thumb is not an easy one to get around. So it's good that he's used the time to, to get it right. And hopefully he can now stay on track for, you know, the rest of the season. Yeah, it'll be good to see how he goes in Spain this weekend. Probably won't be expecting too much, but then I think they have a break, have a, have a couple of weeks and then sort of come back and just be good to see him back in that top 10 like he was last year, top five speed. And um, just a guy we we saw, J-Mart, uh, obviously with the lung, I think it was a punctured lung. Um, he obviously came back extremely quickly from from that. Um, obviously, that didn't seem too bad, but it, sound, it sounded way worse than that. Well, um, so I did an interview with Cade Clayson, who a couple of weeks earlier did the same sort of thing, broke yeah. broke a couple of ribs and ended up puncturing the lung and had, had it partially collapse. Um, and he said that you've seen his results since he's come back. Like he said that didn't actually cause him pain as such, which mm. lung usually won't. It's more painful when they have to stick the needle in through your chest to um, reinflate it than anything else. But the lung itself doesn't usually hurt, right? Because you can't tend to feel that. Um but the issue that you get is then obviously when you try to stress that lung and you try and inflate it as hard as you can to get more air in for that oxygenation process to do an aerobic activity like moto, that's when you start to struggle because it doesn't, it's got like a wound point. So that's not functioning and it's then just reducing your oxygen capacity and your, your actual aerobic capacity gets reduced. So by the end of the motos, you start dropping off, which if you look at J-Mart, that's sort of where he went at the end of that race just last weekend he was back yes but he didn't have that same capacity to to push all the way through i think so but the main thing the only reason that i believe that he missed that race was because you can't actually fly with a covering punctured lung because you can actually have it burst with the altitude pressure changes so yeah that was the only reason he apparently didn't go to the round what was it east rutherford that's the only reason he didn't go to that one yeah, it's interesting. You see, like, yeah, lungs just it's anything like punctured or you know collapsed. It just sounds so horrible. And then you sort of talk about that to someone that knows, like yourself, and you, you can you can get through with that, but not like a something more minimal, like a broken thumb. It's just the way it is, and the the yeah. what it is. But the lung too, just so that the the people watching can understand, the lung is in a couple of compartments, right? So when you say punctured lung, it's not like that whole you know left side just deflates. Yeah. There's like six compartments. And so if you puncture part of it, well, the other parts are still up. So you can still breathe and do normal functioning. It's just only when you start to push yourself that you notice that little bit of drop in capacity for your aerobic abilities. And that's where, you know, at the high level of sport, that's when it becomes an issue. But day to day, you won't notice it. 
Yeah, okay. So minimal discomfort on that, just when you're at that real stretch yeah. in your capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And also with um what's your sort of have you got sort of an overview of um the obviously the key causes? It's not really you can't really put your finger on one thing because motocross is just so dangerous and supercross is just risks at every turn, literally. And um is there anything you would suggest to uh you know, anything to do with track prep? Uh, you know, got the, they got the nets and tough blocks and these kind of things. Is um, is the season too long? Is there any preventative measures that uh, that you would like to see or think need to be, you know, thought about quite thoroughly? Well, I, personal opinion on some of this stuff is that, like, I think there's uh, not enough focus on the fact that it's a skill for these guys to get through a whole season. They focus a lot on how fast they are on the track but there's a skill in making it 17 rounds of supercross or nine or 10 for the, you know, the coast, the 250 guys. And like I said, at the beginning with the numbers in that 250 class of injuries, they all aren't looking at the fact that they've got to do nine rounds. They look at it like they're doing two or something. Yeah. So um, I think there's a perspective point that they need to understand that they've got to make it through the whole season. Um, yeah. Things like tough blocks can sometimes get in the way, but they can sometimes save you. So they're yeah. necessary. Mac had a good one where he was saved, wasn't he? Oh man, he got so lucky because if he was that tough block, we wouldn't be not talking about him being a champion right now. So you know, he got lucky at that point at the beginning of the season. Um, but the other side of it, like track prep, yeah, we're an outdoor sport with bikes that are digging trenches in it. Like, and you've only got so much time for a show. There's, it's hard to do much else. Like, you know, most of the time, the like the mud race at East Rutherford, the guys survived that, and that was conditional situation they rode to the conditions they just need to maybe do that more often even when yeah. it's dry um but definitely things like the whoops um they are causing a lot of dramas for people um on the stats generally speaking yeah they're, they're pretty brutal aren't they and yeah it's and it's hard to really say oh then less riding time on a track because it's only a one-day event anyway so you, you basically they need the time and the practices to to adjust to the track and to just to get their calculations right in their head and what they're safe and comfortable doing. So it's a tough balance. Maybe things like Supercross Futures hitting a track, but, you know, they probably prep it. They prep it as much as they can within reason, but it's it's a tough balance to get right because obviously they want to challenge these guys because they're the best in the world and those guys want to be challenged because they want things that separate them from the rest. So, yeah, where you go is tough, isn't it? It is. Um, you can't. You can't just all of a sudden, you know, fully prep the track between every round because then they'd complain that there's no separation, but we now complain that there's going to be hardly any factory guys on the 458 this weekend because they're all out injured. So it's a, it's a 50, you know, you split down the middle, which way do you go about it? And how much time do you have and how much money do you have to put into the, you know, maintenance cost of a track is obviously a lot higher because you got to have that equipment and fuel and all that sort of stuff. But then you can't have the stadium full of people for an hour while they're just prepping the track midnight yeah. show. Because so. <laughs> ultimately it's entertainment, isn't it? The people that go there, that's what they want to be entertained. So you want to minimize their downtime as much as possible. So they keep coming back. So, exactly. but I think the track, the track builders, they, they deserve some credit, a lot of credit for what they do. It's a very specialized thing and to, to recover those tracks and to build them in the first place and make them exciting and entertaining and interesting. is pretty amazing, isn't it? I think they do an awesome job to be honest. And like, look at that bit after the East Rutherford, they had to clean that out and then get the next track and build it. Cause there was fear of weather at Nashville too. Like, and then I, I commented at one point, I saw, you know, you look at all those tarps that they put out, mm. 
how how much money and effort goes into putting out tarps over a whole field of a supercross track like that's insane yeah. so yeah they are the they are the unsung heroes at times oh yeah the the this, the time schedules they're on the the amount of work they have to do and it's not like they get a break in between each round it's pretty much every week back to back to back so it's uh, the behind the scenes stuff must be immense and it, it probably gives them uh, a lot of irritation when they get some armchair warriors criticizing which everyone does from time to time but it must annoy them a bit because imagine if you know you say try it yourself good luck kind of thing it'd be impossible almost as, as most as anybody jumped in a in a posi track and tried to shape a jump because i bet you it doesn't look as straight as theirs yeah yeah it's a, it's, a, it's an art mate it really is an art what they do with the with those machines so um and also the the alpine stars medic crew um they obviously have their work cut out every weekend especially the last few and um your thoughts on the work they do and uh just how important that is yeah, it's it's amazing that we have that facility for the races, right? Like they've got the ability to do x-rays on the spot. So, you know, any of those sort of, you know, little little fractures and stuff, it's it's just confirming what they think they know there and then and just their their training that they have that these guys are specialist surgeons that are doing some of these uh at some of the rounds. They, the knowledge they have to protect these guys is is immense. So the, that facility that's you know grown over time, still run by the same core groups uh, like Doc Bodner and that. Um, it's just awesome that we have that. Like we would be so worse off if we didn't. Um, there'd be a lot more people disappearing to you know emergency wards when they maybe didn't need to. Yeah, well said, mate. And um, a topic that's sort of you know it's sort of a lot of lot of uh, speculation about it and how best to manage it and the way to the way to look at it i guess arm pump what's your sort of thoughts um the surgeries obviously have roman fevre having an arm pump surgery before mxgp this year um his results are coming along well just your thoughts on arm pump and how it affects people differently because it's a it's a bit of a conundrum for a lot of guys isn't it yeah it's a it's a massive problem in our in our you know sport but the surgery side of things is an interesting one because lots of people will have it and then six, 12 months yeah. later, they almost need to have it again because it's mm. not a permanent change. Your body will shut off and create another um, packet around that, um, that muscle and you're sort of back in the same problem because you think it's about blood going in and if the blood goes in, well, it's got to come out, but only so it can't get out because it swells up so much. So, you know, the muscle will just keep growing and growing and it's got nowhere for it to go. There's lots of little things you can do to try and reduce the effect of it, but uh, some of it just comes back to being it's all in your head um, and you just tighten up. It's not so much that it's in your head and it's going to happen. It's that you're thinking about the scenario and it's creating a physiological response to send more blood and to tighten up on the handlebars. But things like you know getting the appropriate size grip for your hand size is a big one. Um, making sure that your levers are adjusted into the right position. Yep that you're not reaching too far for the lever is a big thing. You want neutral position so that the muscle is working in the mid range, not an end range. Cause that makes yeah. it work harder. Oh, so, that's yeah. Good, good point, things. mate. And also supplements, people, you know, you hear companies trying to, they sort of advertise supplements that help with arm pump. Um, your thoughts on that? Um, much Look, in it or is it just to do with just your basics? Sometimes it's the it's in it because it's placebo effect, right? Like lots of people will will believe the the hype of the marketing and it will work. Um, some people will just go that it works because I, I actually used it and it and it you know did what I said it did. But look, things like magnesium um, will help relax a muscle. 
but when you're forcing blood into something like your forearms that is a small compartment and it's just going in so fast, you're not going to, no magnesium amount is going to stop that. So there's, there's use for it at times as preparation and it's got to be done for a couple of days beforehand. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work at all, but you've got to be realistic in your expectations of these things. And it's, it's like, it's impossible to probably, you know, to those guys, especially Supercross, you can't really say, I'll oh, just hold the bike a bit uh, less, uh, you know, because it's just, nice. you're literally holding on for dear life. Yeah. But uh, and also just, just a quick one on painkillers, um, you know, the benefits and the, the, the detrimental effects they have. Um, you hear various things about them and people just need, want them to get through a, to get through a race, to get through a match, whatever they're used for. But uh, your thoughts on them? Short, short term, okay. Long term, multiple use, not so much. Um, yeah. You know, everybody's heard of probably about a lot of these guys maybe getting a tortoise shot, um, which is you know for different languages might be a cortisone injection or or something along those lines. Um, useful to get you through one night if the injury is purely around just some pain, but it will not change the fact if it's a broken bone it's still going to be a broken bone at the end of the night. And you've probably just done some more damage to yourself that then has to be extending your recovery period. So useful again, depending on the scenario, not useful if you don't know what you're doing it for, or if you're continuing to do it you know, for a six week period or something like that. Yeah. That, yeah well said, mate. And um, just looking about the, obviously the, the fields, uh, it, it uh, quite a lot of disarray with the injuries, uh, very thin at the moment. Uh, and you obviously speak to a lot of privateers and, just tell us um, sort of how good it is for these guys. Um, you know, your Morans, as these, you know, Harlan got an injury as well and Bloss, but those guys would have been looking to capitalise and, and your Starlings and your Norans and your Shorts and your Cartwright. It's cool to see those guys having a chance to get some um, um, sort of in the spotlight and to get some eyes on them because, yeah, it's during the season, they, they're certainly not there. So it's like a bit of a one of the smallest byproducts that's positive from all these injuries, isn't it? Seeing the privateers get some spotlight. It is. Those guys that can make it to the end of the season in one piece um, tend to get some you know, career bests or season bests at these sort of last three or four rounds because the field does thin out so much. And that means a lot to those privateer guys. Like I speak to them, you know, a bunch of them a fair bit. Um, but like some of those privateer guys that do get injured earlier in the seasons, they do have some of the funniest stories about their injuries when you talk to them because they literally get to go and find you know, specialist surgeon for a finger or a hand that they've never heard of before because they don't have those connections. And yeah. you get some weird stories coming out of those those uh, treatment plans as well. So they're, yeah. they're an interesting thing to hear from them as well about what they've gone through. But yeah, look this weekend, there will be about five guys that you probably haven't seen in the main event this time around that will get something rather significant as a result. So yeah, it'll be cool for those guys to be in the spotlight. Yeah, because it's, it's we, we had a chat to... Um... Ben and I from MX Vice, we spoke to Kevin Moran's uh, last week and yep. yeah, just the sheer stuff they got to go through. Like he's doing like all his bike work. Pretty much the only thing that he's not doing is transporting his bike because he's, he's one of the other teams does that for him. But it's like, yeah, he's doing his own mechanic work. He's changing out this and that and, you know, getting organizing all his own marketing and organizing all his own, um, you know, stickers and stuff for the bike. Like the, the amount of work and he just said, it does take a lot away from what I'm able to train. Like I can't, focus 100 on my actual racing which is which is why it's just so benefit beneficial to have a factory team because you everyone else does everything else for you you get to focus on training and riding and so the amount of gains you can get doing that whereas running a program like him um you know you, you got to drive places you got to do all that work organize parts and 
it's it's a crazy life they live, isn't it? It is. They they wear probably about fifty hats. Yeah. Uh, you look at the, the the amount of guys on a on a factory team, you know, from the staffing point of view, that are doing all those things for the rider, and then you look at the privateer and they're doing all that themselves. And there's you know twenty guys on the factory team, so helping do it. It's they're the unsung heroes. But to make to somehow get around like a series like the USAMA across that whole country. Yeah. And go from one side to the other in two weeks, you know, and back again. Yeah, I don't know how they manage to fit in what they do, but they do, and they they do a really good job. It's it's a obviously a big passion for them to get get to where they get to. Yeah, you got to respect the the grind and the hustle those guys put in, and even something someone like Moran's was saying. Um, he made a bet that uh, with one of his team guys. Um, yeah, if if I get top ten, you got to wash my bike after East Rutherford and the. Uh, he won that bet, so that was just those small luxuries that the rest of the rest of them take for granted. It's pretty cool seeing that, isn't it? That was a, that's a smart bet. I didn't know that one. That's, that's yeah. Not, Kevin. yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, you did good, mate. So they expect them to really come up in the um in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, just your thoughts in general on the racing. Um, being Aussies, how good is it seeing the the Lawrence guys just smashing it again? Obviously, Hunter winning his first was was really cool. The culmination of a lot of hard work and graft over the years um since his him and the family left australia moved to europe and yeah he's had a lot of injury time a lot of injury time off uh, which you'd be well aware of as well mate but um it's just good to see him rewarded for all the hard work and then jets just uh you know another level um for his age isn't he he's a freak he's one of the sort of generational talents and it's hard to see him sort of not being one of the best um in the in this decade isn't it well yeah he 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 should be as long as he stays off yeah. my <laughs> You know, um, that's that's what the trajectory he's got, and, and that's awesome. As an Aussie fan, it's great to have. We had Chad Reed for so long, right? Yeah. Someone that was always at the front of the pack, and you could always cheer for and relate to, and feel like you saw them at your local track at some point, right? So it's awesome to have that with the with the Lawrence boys. But yeah, look, Hunter's story. Everyone goes to that bit that oh, we left Australia and it was tough and what not. It was obviously that was right. But Hunter's gone through so much more. Those injuries that he's had. He's had a long list of stuff that's gone wrong. And it's only really the last two years that he's actually started to build that all together. And you can see the results trending all the way up and, and the fitness is coming along, the bike time's coming along. So he is the, he was the master of his own destiny. He's earned that a lot mm. by the effort he's put in. So, you know, full congratulations to Hunter. That was awesome to see. Yeah, and um, obviously with we we're Aussies and we got the podium at the Nations and the, the pretty exciting times ahead. There's options for Australia and our series um, back home is at a very high level as well. Um, yeah, like Tanty, Clout, uh, Webster, Beaton's back here now, and then you know Crawford and and Todd and MX2 and uh, you know if Mitch Evans isn't fit or you know you never know we might end up with a scenario with Hunter and Jed on the 450s and they get Crawford and um, or Todd on the 250 or you know, you could you could put someone like a Tant here or a Webster or a Beaton on the 450 if Evans isn't isn't um, where he needs to be or wants to be. So the options are pretty good, mate. The depth is strong, and even countries like Spain and obviously France are always pretty good. Italy's got some nice um, talent coming through in America. France this year is looking pretty exciting. Do you think you'll be making the trip over, mate? Oh, look, I'd love to, but it's probably not on the uh, on the budget list for yeah. me. Um, you know, this is a, this is generally a hobby for me. Like I, you know. <laughs> 
something I'm getting paid massive dollars to do. So, but no, look, that, that list of guys that we have at the top end of our, you know, Aussie field is, is awesome. It's starting to be a real comparable thing to all the other countries that are in that MX of nations list. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic to finally see another podium. It's been so long for the Aussie team between them. Um, but I could see, like you just said about having both Lawrence brothers on four fifties. I think that's pretty likely because the the talk is now that Hunter's probably going to be on a four fifty cross. So I wouldn't see him hanging around on the two fifty any longer than he has to. And he would probably want to do exactly what Jet did last year and just move straight to the four fifty, do that testing and just keep going that direction. So yeah, we could have both of them, you know, MX one, MX three, and then yeah, throw the door open, see who wants to who's the best one to take the MX two bike and yeah, yeah, we could be in for another good re- result. Yeah, well, obviously, best case scenario probably is Mitch Evans getting healthy and getting back to where he was last year. And even at that Nations, he was battling an injury, which uh, our boss, yeah. uh, James, found out about. So, yeah, he's obviously probably him and Beaton. It's, um, Beaton was obviously wanting to ride in Europe and um, haven't spoken to him a little while ago. Just things didn't quite work out. So a good option to come back home and reset for a year. And he's he's proven his class already, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I really hope that he does get that, you know, that option opportunity to go back to Europe because I think he's got more to show. Mm. Um, clearly, like he's come back here and he's at the front of the pack, you know, easily. So, yeah, he, it's a good chance for him to rebuild. But I think his skill set is it needs more challenging, you know, and that's that that European side of things. So yeah. he needs to be back there. Hopefully he can be soon. Yeah, it's exciting. I, do, I believe you, Reeve. Um him and Webster, uh, the the plan is if all, all goes well to race some AMA Nationals and maybe a couple of MXGPs, which is super cool. It gives them that platform to to shine. And another guy who probably has got all the talent in the world and has had terrible injuries, uh, we'll quickly discuss, was um, yeah, Regan Duffy. He's, he's obviously lined up. Uh, he had a lined up MX2 ride and he, all the signs are good. He's so young and he's already on a 450, so he doesn't have to worry about the age rules so he can take his time in his development. But um. It's amazing seeing him back and doing well and he, he's loving life again and just back on the gate because I don't know, a lot of people might not know his story. A lot of people will know his story, but to just see him back is incredible effort. Yeah. Um, just to see him alive after what he yeah. went through is amazing in itself, but to then come back to a pro level is, yeah, it's, I can't, I can't say enough words to justify what he is doing. It's amazing. Um, if you check out his Instagram story, some of the pictures of his body mm. are insane that he went through and how he survived, I'll never know. But yeah, modern medicine, well done, you know. So and, and the mentality of, of him, well done too, isn't it? Because exactly. most people would be out yeah. by then, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly what we're talking about with the psychology side of it. Like for him to overcome what he went through to then put himself back in that scenario again. Yeah, that's that's some next level mental toughness. Yeah, uh, we only hope he goes from strength to strength from here, mate. And um, just to wrap it up, just any sort of final thoughts and um, any any sort of just shout outs and just give yourself a plug um, where people can find you, where they can follow you and, and all that kind of thing, mate. Yeah, awesome. No, look, um, obviously, if you search um, Always Moto pretty much on any of those social platforms, you'll find me and same on the YouTube channels. Um, but we also put some written content out on um, fullnoise.com.au. So we usually do our weekly, um, we call it the emergency department list on on there. And that's sort of the update of who's where in terms of if they're coming back or or um, if they're out and all that information that we can sort of put in the one place. So, yeah, those are the, the couple of spots you can find me. But um, 
yeah, maybe you'll find me on here a bit more often if we do. If yeah. everyone likes it, we'll, we'll do a few more of these things, eh, Ed? Yeah, mate, why not? It's um, it's certainly a topic that people love reading and listening about, and I'm sure you probably that reflects in your numbers too. Um, yeah, everything's uh, it's just interesting to know because um, you sort of uncovered a few a few details a lot of people wouldn't be aware of. So um, yeah, thanks again for coming on, mate. We appreciate it. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, no, I appreciate the offer, and yeah, look, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, see more of us. <laughs> yeah, and before before we let David go, we'll just quickly give a shout out to our. Uh, to our sponsors on the um, MX Vice uh, Between the Races show here. We've got Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achebe's, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, there would be no us. So thanks again, David. All the best and have a good one, mate. Keep up the great work. Thank you. See you next time. See you, mate.